All right, we have audio. And welcome in. We have audio. We are live on the air. I am Graham. That is Josh. That is John. We are back after uh, our live tailgate broadcast in the shadow of the Mercedes-Benz Stadium last weekend. Uh, good to be with you guys. Great to be here. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we're, uh, we're having a good week of practice, too. <laughs> everybody's yes. get, everybody's getting their reps in this week i mean josh had to unplug his entire uh setup take it down to the stadium and then bring it home and replug it which means lots of good reps for the production wizard that is josh hancher um we are here for our belated but still very thorough oregon film review i know some of you guys have asked where this was so uh it's my fault Actually, it's American Airlines' fault for stranding me in Dallas for many hours twice last weekend, once on the way there, once on the way home. Um, but we are here today to show you guys what happened. And since George is playing Sanford this week, you guys really don't need a big film breakdown of the other Bulldogs. So uh, we're going to dive into this and do a little uh, national picks preview type show tomorrow with some betting content but uh yeah excited to be back looking at film graham if a football coach was here you just get chewed up right now for overlooking samford come I, on i man. would yeah but i'm gonna <laughs> we're, we're gonna go ahead and take a look i mean that is the same samford. samford that hung what like 49 in the swamp absolutely florida had to score florida had to score 70 to beat samford and then they i think georgia could score 70 on saturday but i don't think that's what they'll have to do to beat sanford but, i don't think so um i mean i don't think george is taking them lightly uh i know no, that you know I, I got a question on the dog central forum last night of like is georgia starting south carolina prep and like no they've got mm -hmm. the sanford players numbered out on the scout team and mm -hmm. they'll be prepared and i mean honestly we're going to talk about it here in just a second but like there's a lot even though Georgia won by 46 points, there's a lot that you can clean up from Saturday, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that's the ideal scenario if you're a football coach, right, is you, mm -hmm. you win big, you kind of make a statement game, you have some recruits say, ooh and ah, I might want to be a part of that, but you also have plenty of film to come in on Monday and say, what's going on here, guys? Yeah, it was a Kirby Smart dream game. Uh, when you turn on the film and you see what <laughs> some of the adjustments that need, need to be made defensively, because you can you can definitely sit back and pick that apart with the players, bring them back down to earth this week, um, but also for the national you know national narrative, uh, you definitely you know pop the lid on a lot of things in that right. game as well. So I think that's right. what we call a, a perfect segue, right? Yeah, wanna, that is. Uh, you want to jump into the defense, Graham? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so first play of the game here, and what I want you to notice is Oregon, much like Georgia, uh, was able to gain a lot of yards on the edges. So mm -hmm. you're going to see Michael Williams, number 13 there. He gets caught jumping inside a little bit at the snap. First college football snap, maybe a little over-eager. Mm -hmm. um, and both Dumas Johnson, number yep. 10 there, and Buller, 22, don't really get off their blocks. And so – Good job by Chris Smith coming down and filling it, but you'd like to see your guys on the outside getting off those blocks a little bit better. And I think you would also, you know, really maybe like to see your 
your edge, setting the edge a little bit. But again, first college snap, I understand the eagerness to get back there to the quarterback. Um, so yeah, clip three here. Uh, we've got a third and eight. And this kind of starts right here on the first third down. It's miscommunication between Mondin and Ringo mm -hmm. up at the top of the screen. Uh, you see there, Ringo passes off that mm -hmm. coverage and he's pointing to the wide receiver, but Mondin doesn't pick him up. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I'm guessing that Ringo's right because he's played in the system for a full year and Mondin hasn't, but there's a lot of pointing that we're going to point out to you on the show today of Ringo pointing at Mondin, like what's going on here. Um, but yeah, this big underneath route gets left open and then to make it worse, Mondin kind of sets himself as like now he's got a blocker between him and the pass catcher and it's an easy first down for Oregon. Yeah, one of the things, one of the themes you'll see when you watch this is, and again, I think it's it's early in the season and guys trying to learn to play their positions at this level for the for the first time in live game action. But Mondin consistently drops what I feel like, and I don't know what they tell them. I don't know how Kirby coaches this um, or Schumann coaches this, but um, he, he feels like he drops too deep a lot of times for those underneath routes, and you see – a lot of communication from the secondary uh, to those inside linebackers telling them that it's basically like, you gotta, you gotta get uh, a little bit quicker, adjust a little bit quicker and, and change your depth um, on those intermediate routes. It's a big theme. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And I mean, we know Georgia likes to play this way where, mm -hmm. you know, they, they're kind of like, we're going to make you travel all the way down the field on us mm -hmm. and we're going to, you know, sit deep and, you're not going to get cheap explosive plays. Uh, the flip side to that though, is last year, like on those underneath routes, if it mm -hmm. was third and eight, it would drop out maybe to the first down marker. But as yep. soon as that guy caught the ball five yards deep, he was getting wrapped up by uh, Walker or Tyndall or yeah. Dean one or seen, you know, and, and it was mm -hmm. like, we're dropping you on the spot and there's no yards after the catch happening. And on Saturday we saw a lot of yards after the catch. Yep. Uh, clip five. All right. So Javon Bullard, uh, he's going to be number 22. Uh, he's playing that kind of star position. He's going to get washed out by the blocker right there. And then uh, Mondin, your inside linebacker, number two, he's going to penetrate, but he, he bites too hard on the fake basically. Um, so all of a sudden, you know, Bo Nix is left easy first down. You see Mondin there like, putting his hand in the dirt, trying to change directions real quick. But Nix is too athletic for that. Next and then play. so, yep, very next play. And Mondin is going to make a good read this time. He's going to crash into the mesh point. And uh, good penetration by Warren Brinson here as well. But, yeah, Mondin there, he comes up field, doesn't bite on the running back too early, forces Nix to hand that off, and then makes a really nice tackle. So nice to see him kind of like – learn on the go right there in real time. Uh, and this will take us, this is one uh, full speed play six and then it'll go right into seven. Okay. Um, and so on seven, you're going to see, this is how Georgia played most of the day on defense. Like, oh, here's a, actually, I guess this is a behind the, yeah. Yeah. It's the same play. Yeah. Here we go. Here's seven. So, yeah, we were just talking about not giving up the big play over the top, focused on making tackles, forcing, 
organ to execute. This is that right there. And yep. this is Lassiter making a good enough play to, mm-hmm. you know, kind of put them into third down. Yeah, that's a that's a great play. You know, that's what you want on second down and that down a distance right there is just, you know, not give up the first down, push him to the boundary. Um, really textbook. Yeah, and so you got Tresman Marshall in coverage here. Really good read by him because this is this is cover zero, I think, or maybe cover one. But he doesn't have what looks like safety help here on third and three. Like there's one safety in the middle of the field, and so if this running back catches it, he's going to run for a long time, and he makes the direct angle to basically get in between that ball and mm-hmm. the running back and, and break that pass up. Uh, it could have been. So, a, I mean, like. Could have been off. Yeah, these are. Interference. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. he, I mean, it, you could see he, he he came out of his route to try to chip him a little bit. But, yeah. There's yeah, a lot of that in this game. Yeah. You, like. Yeah, you also saw, um, we talked about this um, <clears throat> previously, too, not on any show, but just together of you saw Oregon players blocking a little bit early. You saw a lot of kind of pick plays. That's kind of a rub wheel route that they're trying to uh, use that wide receiver right there engaging in the, in the, with the DB to actually take JDJ off of his angle for that route. And it just didn't work. Which is great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, you ready but, for 21 Graham? Yeah. So here we go. Next Oregon drive. Georgia's up seven, nothing. Um, this is uh, – it's obvious right here you're going to see how Chris Smith fills this running lane as the safety, but Robert Beal does a really nice job of stringing this play outside towards the help, and that's kind of what we didn't see on the first drive from Williams and some of these other young edges was them staying kind of assignment sound and, and not diving inside on those. There, Beal does enough to, to push out that play towards towards the good guys. And then – Watch number 13, Michael Williams here, shows his athleticism getting into the gap, but he over-pursues, takes himself out of the play. Uh, Mondon, number two, the inside linebacker, he's going to whiff on a tackle right here in the hole. And now Starks is coming in from the safety spot. So you've had two guys that could have made the play. The third one does. Um, You're going to want to clean that up, basically. It's an easy 10-yard run. Um, and then here we're going to see Lassiter, uh, number three, defensive back, top of your screen. He's going to come in off, you know, basically does not allow himself to get blocked up, wraps up well. It's a good job and support by him um, not being blocked. And then better here from Javon Bullard. So he's 22. He's the guy that's kind of right above the, the four on the 40-yard line there. And he's a little bit wrapped up, but he does enough to get off square himself and keep that from turning into a, a big chunk play. And next play on the third down. Yep. And then so Mondin, uh, he's going to come free into the backfield. And he just doesn't quite make the play. Um, you know, it's like he's thinking too hard of – where's the ball and these fakes are kind of getting to him a little bit i also thought uh stackhouse the nose tackle 78 he gets he gets washed out a little bit there um he's got to be able to hold his space a little bit better if he's gonna play 
nose tackle for an SEC team. So they pick up the first down. This is clip 26. Yeah, and so this is going to be the deep shot uh, where they try to go on Starks, and he makes probably the best interception you're going to see made all year. Um, this is an incredibly athletic play, like not just the catch, but it's just beautiful coverage. He picks up that free runner, flips his hips, finds the ball. It's like, it's what, you know, this is a five-star, like five-star, five-star plus kind of thing happening right before your eyes. Yeah, I love I mean, I, I also think just the the awareness, like, you know, Stark's young kid put himself in position to make plays all day. He led the team in tackles, which I know, you know, we'll talk about some of the stats probably in a little bit, but um, but not just the athleticism, but just being in that position. I mean, it's it's not yeah. a uh, – I think – I don't think people realize how difficult – a lot of people probably do, but just how difficult it is to start um, – as a true freshman in this type of a defense and put yourself in a position to make that play against a very, very athletic wide receiver for Oregon, um, which is great. Absolutely. And then we're going to 34, Graham? Yes, sir. So next Oregon drive. So this is how you want to see Georgia defend the run. Uh, Nolan Smith is going to jump the gap on the backside. Ingram Dawkins is on that edge towards the ball. He gets off his block, sets it. The result is them meeting at the ball carrier. It's good disruptive play. Um, Smith really, really jumps, jumps in that gap off that right tackle side. Uh, and then yeah. you're going to see on the very next play here, he's lined up against the left tackle, and he's going to give the same work to the left tackle as he gave to the right tackle. He's going to jump this gap and make a play on the ball. Um, so two really good plays by him and run support. George's run defense was noticeably better when he was on the field versus when he was not, in my opinion. All right. Clip 39. Yeah. Oh, did you, uh, John, you had something right. else? Oh, no, no. I was just going to say, you know, what we saw last year is, uh, uh, Georgia winning those one-on-one -on -one battles across that front, um, that defensive front. That's what you saw in those two plays. Like just guys, just just winning, just winning, uh, winning assignments. And I think one of the things that, you know, Georgia is definitely going to have to work on is there are, when you rotate in, it was very clear, Nolan Smith being a good example of that. It's very clear there are different combinations where you can get more wins across that front than mm -hmm. others. And last year, that's a big difference between this defense and last year's. Last year, you rotated in a lot of guys and it, it kind of didn't matter. You're rotating in guys and you – you thought no matter you know what that front seven was you you had a good chance of winning those one-on-ones on almost every play um and and this year there there are a few guys where it's like yeah if you got these two in there as part of that front five you have a better chance than than if you have uh the other the other folks so it's going to be an yep. interesting uh it's going to be an interesting dynamic to see how um most champion schumann you know, figure out the rotations to get the best guys in uh, to win, win up front. I like so, it. So 36? 39 or 36? 36. 36. Yep. Yeah, third and eight. So this is one of those where you'd like to see Mondin play a little bit better. He's those kind of rub type screen plays we were talking about from Morgan. He's going to get caught on one of these. And so space is going to open up for the running back. 
Um, kind of a similar play to what they tried to run towards Tresman Marshall on that that first third down that we showed you. Um, but this time the concept works. He just kind of has to run around that screen, and that's really enough to make the space for him to not make the tackle for the sticks. Um, and so when we go to this play 39, next third down, now they're going to run it at him to the opposite side. That They're going to pick on Monin again. I'm wondering if there's something Lanning may have known, honestly, that mm-hmm. he gave to Dillingham, uh, you know, or just that's just kind of what they do. But, I mean, this one's pretty blatant. They just run mm-hmm. a receiver right at him. Um, yep. And so, honestly, he might be better off just running straight into that dude and blowing him up and getting the mm-hmm. official's attention and mm-hmm. probably putting a stop to that for the rest of the game. But mm-hmm. uh, he's a freshman or a redshirt freshman out there trying to, you know, not mm-hmm. piss his coaches off. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then here you go. Uh, this is the INT for Christopher, Christopher Smith. Came right on the heels of that horse collar call on him. I think that pissed him off a little bit. But, yeah, he just reads Bo Nix like a book. Um, God, where, out. where was Bo Nix throwing that ball, guys? I mean, you saw you saw the replays of of Dillingham saying Bo, like you know. Yeah. But when you look at that play, I mean, I I still I've watched this play five or six times now, and I have no idea where he was trying to go with that ball. He never ever nobody. I mean, like, no one. I, yeah, yeah. He never ever takes his eyes off the receiver. Like, no. never even tries to pretend he's going somewhere else. Yeah. Um. All right, but, so, he's throwing it, but he throws it over there in the triple 40, coverage at least. 47. 47. There we go. So this is why Mondin is your starter at inside linebacker. Look at that. Really nice play. <laughs> Strings it out. Reads it well. Um, him and Dumas Johnson get there together. Just nice work from your, your inside linebacker duo. You see the athleticism. He's chasing down a running back that I thought – actually you know played pretty well in this game uh in space it's good stuff clip 48 next play the pass rush here is good but Ringo kind of loses contact with his wide receiver at the snap he just gives away inside leverage he's kind of playing this too far Mm -hmm. towards the boundary and right I mean right there he's beat basically um so yeah easy connection for Oregon 51. Yep. So we're going to see Ringo and Mondin uh, again here at the bottom of the screen. A little bit of a miscommunication and coverage. Um, you see Ringo pointing out to the wide receiver right here. He's going to drop out and he's pointing. And this might actually be Starks. Yeah. But it's Starks. It is. Yeah. Um, but. I don't know what the call was, but again, my guess would be Keeley's probably right because he played in the system for an entire year. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And then 57? Uh, 51? No. We just did 51. Okay. Um, so, third down in the red zone. George is going to dial up a nice blitz here. It's not – getting a sack type of blitz, but it, it serves the purpose of speeding up his clock on third down and getting the ball out. And 
Starks almost makes another interception, but I think the the bigger kind of large purpose takeaway is like he's very comfortable in man coverage at as a boundary corner. You can line him up anywhere on the field. Big takeaway. And we jump all the way to 76. Yeah, so we're going to go to the second half here. Uh, first defensive play of the second half, and the run defense has already adjusted and gotten better. You're going to see Michael, number 13, kind of work back and keep the play in front of him instead of getting washed out. And Nolan Smith has this, like, wide split in case he needs to drop into coverage, which means your edge is really wide. And so he's able to just kind of crash down there. Um, but good run defense. Good run defense is usually like, you know, giving up three yards on first down. Don't get used to last year where Georgia was just like, no, we will not allow a single yard rushing in the entire game. Um, yeah. It's, and then here, yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. You're, you're right. I think, um, I think the, the expectation was definitely, has definitely been reset. Uh, what I'll also say is I do think, um, when you look at what Oregon was trying to do with some of the quick game and some of the motion, um, I think that that there's not a – it'll be interesting to see how many teams try to go back to that because I think Georgia will continue to get better and better at reading some of that. And so I do think um, the run defense will get better as a result too. Yeah. I mean, it was very much a first game, like the old yep. cliche of you, yep. you make your biggest improvement between game one and game two is usually true, hmm. which – I know it's Samford, but I am very interested to see how Georgia plays against the run yep. on Saturday. Yep. Um, so this is one of the, this is the next play after what we just showed you. This is going to be one of the few blitzes Georgia had all day. They do a nice job of getting Nick's flushed, and then Dumas Johnson does a really good job, fights through that running back and pass pro right there, and drops Bo. Um, his responsibility on that play is to spy Nick's and he's not supposed to take off in blitz unless he knows he can tackle him and he makes the tackle. So hmm. credit to him. I personally thought that of all the inside linebackers, he was the one that just kind of was most consistent in assignment sound on Saturday. Agree. 78. Yeah. So third and seven Georgia, I think is thinking pass and they get caught. Uh, Nolan Smith and Jalen Carter are both going to pursue a little too far upfield, expecting a pass. Uh, Williams gets blocked out of the play, and you, you know, you basically have a little kind of draw play for a first down. But I, I also I don't like Oregon's offensive line is was good. I mean, like that was not any reason why they lost this game. Um, like they, I thought were one of the better offensive lines George is probably going to see all year. Um, looking at what those guys did last year and what they returned, I think that's a, a fair statement. But So you – yep. Yep. So you're going to have just kind of what I would refer to as good team pass rush. Everybody's penetrating upfield, making plays. You get the, the tip ball. You know, you speed people up. You speed quarterbacks up. You get in their face, good things happen. This is almost another turnover. Um, so, thought it was nice to see that upfield surge by four-man rush. And we got a 91. Yep. So, Ringo is going to rerun here. Uh, and, John, you and I were talking about yeah. this 
like we thought like don't get me wrong like it's his guy so it's his responsibility but mm-hmm. the receiver basically blocks him like it's a run play and yeah yeah and he's engaged i mean the receiver is engaged i don't know i have to relook at the rules but he's engaged what i feel like is past that three yards three yards yeah 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 because he's if you look at the line of scrimmage i mean he comes off and he's he's blocking right like he's pushing him into four or five yard territory right so keely obviously i think it's right on the line there yeah well (laughs) but but he's moving it but he's but the point is i guess he's moving into he's moving into uh get off the block and play the run and that's what allows this guy to get as open as he as he got. I had an interesting angle. I'm on the opposite 30 yard line looking down mm. the field at this one. And mm. and I thought I saw it happen. I'm like, oh Lord. And then just he just just threw a lazy ball. I mean, it was a ball was in the air forever. And I was like, corn. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, I was, I was screaming, it's like, that's a hospital throw, dude. You're gonna get the guy killed, man. Yeah. And that's <laughs> Uh, yeah. That's not yeah. my, I got that recently. I don't know who that's from, but I love it because <laughs> that's what. Well, I mean, the other side of it too is like it almost gets Christopher Smith killed. I mean, like does, he makes man. a very clean play, and it's a great play. But like, if I'm Kirby and staff, I'm not super happy that my you know preseason All American defensive back left a free runner, mm-hmm. you know, way deep into the secondary, and I might you know, my starting safety may separate his shoulder and be lost for the season in a game where I'm up 42 points, like, <laughs> not you good. know, which is also on me for having him in up 42 points. Right. Yeah. But nobody, nobody uh, would have asked that, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, here we go with, uh, 93 next play, I guess. Right. Yeah. Uh, 92. I'm sorry. 92. Yep. Yeah. Nope. Let me get 92. Okay. There you go. So yeah, this is a good. This is good, Mondin right here. He's gonna play this perfectly. He's Nix's spy, and he isn't supposed to take off unless he can get to him. He doesn't make the sack, but he's there to keep a running lane from appearing, mm-hmm. and it's just gonna basically force Bo to throw the ball away. So it's good. You'd like to see him wrap it up, but it's just you can see why he's starting. Like you can see the athletic ability. He's clearly one of the best athletes on the field. Just all day. Oops. Yeah, all this will fall into place for him. Graham likes to hear me go, whoops, there it's 93. <laughs> I'm used to it. <laughs> so, yeah, pass rush, I thought Georgia never really tried to, like, bring the house too much, but it was more disruptive in the second half as Oregon tried to do more downfield. Uh, Warren Brinson, 97, right there, makes a nice penetration moves nicks off the spot on a third down and he just gets flushed right and has to throw it away so it's a good play um all right so this is interesting 103 that we're about to go to so pause it right there that looks like a 4-3 to me with malachi starks as an outside linebacker mm-hmm. um which you know we all know kirby plays what he calls a three four which is actually a four two five with two inside linebackers and five defensive backs and i guess this is technically still a four two five if we're calling malachi starks a defensive back but we heard throughout his recruitment the big question was like is this guy going to play safety or a linebacker mm-hmm. i think the answer is he's going to play whatever they want him to play and yep. any given moment in time so i thought it was interesting to see that alignment sometimes kirby and even Monken will like you know they'll put like some little uh easter eggs 
so to speak, like in the in the fourth quarter film when no one's mm-hmm. paying attention. So I don't know. Keep an eye out for Starks to line up anywhere at all. Hell, he might play quarterback before the season's over. We don't know. <laughs> Um, I wish somebody would give me a prop on him catching a pass this year because I would take it right now. I would too. <laughs> uh, and I would take Dylan Bell throwing it. Yep, absolutely. Is so this – 105, yep. Chambliss yep. is getting in. Yeah, so you got Chambliss here on the bottom of your screen. And uh, just thought he did a nice job when he came in the game. He sets mm-hmm. this edge, forces that running back inside. Everybody, you know, Mike Hill's in there doing good work still – kind of chopping away, giving him reps to get better. And then 110, uh, David Daniel Sisavon. Hang on. He's going to come up and wreck the house uh, at safety. I think he's one to keep an eye on as Christopher Smith, you know, leaves after this year. He could be the next hard-hitting Georgia safety to step in line. Very very, very physical kid, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And then and 120 or – Yeah. 120, uh, we get Tyke Smith in the game. Um, number 23, he does a good job of fighting through a block here. It's just nice to see him getting on the field. A lot of people have asked questions about him this offseason, so there he is. He does exist. Still, Still playing. All that good stuff. But, yeah, I mean, that's a good physical play against a, a bigger blocker, taking him down. And 123. Yeah, so Bill Norton is in the game at uh, kind of defensive tackle, 45 there. And I think he played he, – I, I thought this was a stop. This is fourth and one here. Mm-hmm. Norton busts in here. Starks gang tackles with him. I don't see that ball get to the line. I think they gave him a mercy first down. If I was Kirby, I would have challenged it just to make a statement of alpha dominance. Of 40, on uh, 49, yeah. There, there was 49 and three. There was one guy in that section, 106 is right in front of that was ready to go. Home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Inside baseball there, guys. Um, Love it. Yeah. Uh, 124. 124. Uh, David Daniel, again, 14, the safety. He's going to be a good player. Um, again, nice. I mean, he looks like Christopher Smith filling filling a run lane right there. Last play of the game right here. I don't really have anything to highlight. This maybe could have been a touchdown pass if Bo Nix threw the ball ac- accurately. But it's just to say, like, kind of how you do anything is how you do everything as a football team. And you saw this from Georgia's defense last year where – third screen guys would be in the game and the first teamers would be like jumping up and down on the sidelines screaming not to give up a touchdown mm-hmm. and you saw it again on Saturday and I think that is a good sign for Georgia fans that that culture seems to not have been like a one and done type of thing it seems like it's kind of just permeating through the program now yeah and and and, and folks should also know it's not just gimmicky right like this isn't just oh we want to we're we're cheering for these guys, you know, to just try to keep them out of the uh, out of the end zone, just to preserve it. Like it's an actual. <clears throat> Kirby mentioned at the beginning of last season. He he hasn't mentioned it this year, but last year he's like, "Hey, you know, defense. We want to prevent explosive plays. We want to hold them under thirteen points." I mean, they have like point 
goals. They have, you know, things yeah. that they that they are working on as a unit, as a collective unit, all the way through those second and third uh, deep uh, positions on the depth chart. So when these guys are cheering, it's not just the rah rah, keep them out of the end zone. It's actual there. There's actual goals that they put in place for for um, everybody on the defense. So it's pretty. It's great to see that continuing for sure. Um, you know, we yeah. were talking before Graham jumped on the call, you know, and, and the, there was obviously going to be some regression, whether that's, mm-hmm. you know, but we all knew the defense was talented. And one of the areas that I kind of expected it was just, they were, Georgia's defense was elite end zone, end zone, quarter to quarter player, every single thing about them. But I did expect, I mean, they, they really did shut down teams when they got in their scoring opportunities of around the 40 yard line and inside the red zone and stuff like that. So I, you know, I filtered it out, you know, uh, they, they obviously kept them out of the end zone scoring a touchdown, but they, they had a 50% rush success rate inside the 40-yard line uh, on Georgia's side of the ball and uh, 40% on pass. So those are those are pretty – those are not great numbers for an offense, but they're not what Georgia fans are used to. But still, they buckled down. They didn't allow the big plays. Um, and, and there was a question on the forum about, is this a bend-don't-break offense? I mean, I definitely think there will be – I don't want to categorize it as a bend, don't break, because I do think that a regression is going to go into that area where it was just a lead all the way around. But still, I don't see this defense getting scalded for, you know, 35 points in a key game. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I also think like 2020, I, I think I dropped this in all takeaways thread, but like the 2021 Georgia gave up 28% touchdowns in the red zone which was the lowest in college football since 2016 LSU. So is that, that, that number kind of has to go up, right? Like there's gotta be some variance or some regression to the mean. Um, I also think though, that we're in a spot. Uh, did you know our screen is dark? I did not. Cool. But <laughs> yeah, that we're in a spot where I think that, you know, we will see, Georgia still be very difficult to score on the red zone. I think that what Kirby Smart has done is kind of designed on saying, um, hey, you know, come in. You you can have these yards in between the, you know, 30s if you Mm -hmm. want. But once we get down here and the field shrinks, like, my, I got better players than you. And we're going to man up and we're going to be able to hold you down. Yeah. possibly let me jump in on that you talked about that that td allowed regression or whatever but also there wasn't a lot of turnovers in that side of the field not for a defense as elite it was so there could be a we could see that we could see a lot because you would expect that defense to have more turnovers i expect that maybe we'll get some big plays and get some picks and some fumbles on 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 those in those spots yeah well well if the mantra holds from last year prevent explosive plays try to keep them under 13 points um you're gonna see a lot of a lot of that uh, bend don't break, in my opinion, because you are, if you're trying to prevent explosive plays, you're going to give up a lot of what you, we saw Georgia give up on on um, Saturday with those underneath intermediate intermediate throws, um, some of that stuff on the edge, like it's just going to happen. Um, but uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting. The red zone touchdown percentage is definitely something to watch because I I do see that going up, and I see Georgia, you know, um, an an elite elite football team. <clears throat> which Georgia was last year, Georgia's had elite defenses the last few years, um, is, you know, holding teams under 13 points. And I, I it's going to – I do see quite a few teams being able to get into that uh, 17, 
you know, 20 point range uh, this year on this team. I just see it. The good news is, which we're going to segue into here in, in a minute is the offense, right? If you're giving up, if you're giving up 17 to 21, uh, you're going to outscore everybody on this schedule that I've seen um, so yeah. far because uh, this offense is, is absolutely lethal. Yeah. I mean, I think one, Last thing I'll say about the defense, and this is kind of just a question for both of you, like which team do you think has more athletes that can stress Georgia's defense, Oregon or South Carolina? Uh, this should, be, South a, Car- this South should Car- be an easy question. I think South Carolina. I, I think Oregon. It's, it's Oregon, yeah. I think athletes – I think I think you had the most athletic uh, wide receiver. That wide receiver core. That Georgia's going to see for a while, yeah. I and mean, there's three former – top eight wide receiver in their class guys on the field on Saturday for Oregon. So I guess my thought, I mean, the the point I'm driving at is like, I think you saw Georgia look really young and kind of, you know, get caught on some misdirection stuff and some of these pick plays and all of that. I think that gets cleaned up over the next four to six weeks. And then, these guys are just athletic enough to where like they'll be in position to make plays. So I, I don't, I mean, like it's damn near impossible for Georgia's defense not to regress off last year. And I'm with you. I think, you know, you're going to see somebody score more than 17 points on them at some point this year, probably maybe Tennessee while they give up 59 to Georgia. But like, I, you heard I it first 59, 17. Let's go. Yeah. Oh, hey, I'll, put, I'll, I'll, I'll take it right now. Give it to me. Yeah, that's <laughs> probably pretty close. But I, I do think, though, that like this defense is going to get better over the next few weeks. And, you know, you go to South Carolina next week after Sanford. Uh, South Carolina had a net yard per play disadvantage against Georgia State. Had to block two punts to really like pull away in that game. Like, I wouldn't. Like, they always get up to play Georgia, don't get me wrong, but, like, is Spencer Rattler and a bunch of tight ends going to be the thing that stresses Georgia's defense? Probably not. Like, probably not. Probably not. All right, let's jump into the offense. Okay. Clip Sorry. nine. No, Take that off my, get off my soapbox. We love your soapbox. We're fading Spencer Rattler this weekend. All right, <laughs> clip nine. So, uh, start the game with a little RPO action. Uh, Bowers... Brock B should have picked up the outside man, but he just double teams that blocker that Darnell is on. Um, so kind of actually had potential for being a decent play, but they don't get all the way off to that edge and get to the right defender. But uh, I want – I'm sorry. That's fine. This is that's good. 10. What do you want to go back to nine? No, that's it. Well, I'll just say this RPO right here on nine – or no, just go to yeah. – just go to 10. Okay. okay. So this was nice. Darnell Washington comes out, locks up his man. Downfield blocking is the theme of this entire uh, offensive segment here. Broderick Jones comes down, gets the double team with Darnell. Uh, Ratledge gets downfield. Looks like he was a little hobbled. Not quite all the way himself yet, but lots of big bodies downfield. If Ratledge gets to that guy, you know. That's a perfect scenario, but he's a 330-pound man trying to get 12 yards downfield. So we're not gonna we're not gonna give him too hard of a time here. Um, clip 11. We told you guys on the film preview that 
I at least felt like this game broke down for Oregon with their inside linebackers and pass mm-hmm. coverage. Monken starts it off here. Washington, Darnell is going to get an incredible block on the edge. And then you just see McIntosh outrun Justin Flo mm-hmm. to the edge of the field. That's him right there diving at McIntosh's feet. And this kind of is how it went all day long. Um, yeah, so – uh, 12 again, great effort on downfield blocking. Uh, you know, like this is just you like go back to the Clemson this, game last year, and this is the exact opposite of what was happening in that game. Yep. So, and they, um, and they were running, Georgia was running a similar scheme, like that play in particular. They ran it a few times versus Clemson last year, and you just didn't have, I mean, you had guys that were in their first game at wide receiver in college that didn't know how to block um, yeah and that's a totally different yeah jermaine burton looking like he was dealing with a bull in the ring Olay. there you go uh, that too so. all right <laughs> clip 13 todd mocking we know todd mocking is about matchups he may even watch this show we're not sure but you got mcintosh in the slot manned up on justin flow burnt toast right there easy pickings it's what we talked about on our preview. Georgia's still guys. That balance yeah. from McIntosh is insane, man. That, that guy. McIntosh may have a second life as a ballerina. I mean, it's incredible. He did it a few times this weekend, and we've seen it. Uh, we've seen it before from him as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, on that one, you see Kendall Milton's gonna dip inside here and kind of miss this blitz pickup. Um he should have been one gap to his left there, but uh, it's okay because Stetson Bennett is a mobile quarterback. He just gets out, dumps it out. I think this was a big difference we saw. Um, just him not feeling the the pressure to make a play every single down and just getting getting the ball into the bench and living yeah. the fight. Check that graphic on the screen right there. Last season, Georgia – 45, 46% third down conversion, which was fifth in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Um, much 90, better. 90%. Yeah. <laughs> 90% on third down. Starting offense was 100% too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which so is, this throw – I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, you're good. Which which comes down to Stetson Bennett's decision-making, I think, on, you know, not scrambling around and getting sacked, not trying to force a ball, like getting in actual manageable third down situations. Yeah, and this was really – I think this was the longest third down they had of the day. It was it on was. the first drive, third and yep. 11. This throw from Bennett made me stand up a little bit. Um, yeah, so you're going to see Roseme, uh, as soon as he hits his break, this ball is released, and it's right – I mean, like, perfect route by him. But Bennett looks off that safety – or, I'm sorry, he doesn't look off the safety. He – uh He's looking in the slot initially. He's looking mm-hmm. at Bowers, sees that that next defender kind of coming over top there and just immediately whips it outside to Roseme with a more favorable matchup. And but the timing, right, right, man, right. the timing was yeah. so good on that throw. So good. Watch it one more you get, real speed. Yeah, you got those you got those two defenders right there. If you if you hesitate, um, that's you're caught in, in no man's land right there. And yeah. he didn't at all. It was great. Up 18. 
Clip 18, uh, it's just one of these little steps, Stetson kind of zone read keepers. It's 100% designed. I love that Monken runs one to two of these, a half with Bennett, because it freezes linebackers. It makes them think about other stuff, and it sets it, – it helps you your running backs get more lanes in the middle of the field. So just giving some props to Monken here. Um. All right, so clip 19, Bennett is going to – you're going to see here at the snap, he's going to put his eyes on Darnell, who is lined up. Uh, here's your inline tight end at the bottom of the line of scrimmage on your screen. And he's just going to use those eyes to move this linebacker, number 33, the one that's on Darnell's left shoulder. You see him dropping back with Darnell, and he's using that to open up keep his one-on-one -on -one matchup with A.D. Mitchell, and it's just a nice, easy, easy pickings. Oh, yeah, you get a good angle of it here. Um, yeah, so you see his head cocked right, comes back to the middle of the field. Nice job of looking off defenders. Where are we, 20? Yep. And you're going to see Brock Bowers and A.D. Mitchell – they're going to absolutely abuse people uh, with their downfield blocking here. Yeah, I mean, this this one, I'm sure you guys have all seen it on Twitter, social media, the, the end zone yeah. cam from somebody from Georgia. And just ADs just I mean, I mean uh, I've sent that to every Pac-12 fan I could find yeah, uh, in my contacts to say this is. My, my favorite comment about this from this angle right here, somebody said uh, A.D. Mitchell sent that DB to the shadow realm. Uh, which is <laughs> <laughs> Just like made him disappear. Uh, um, pretty much did. Yeah. All right. So second drive, clip 27. Watch the right side of the offensive line, Ratledge and McClendon uh, at right guard and right tackle. They get blown down the line here pretty, mm -hmm. pretty hard. Um, and they're the guys that are supposed to be blocking just smash into the gap. If your right tackle is all the way over at the left hash with his back turned, uh, do the right hash, it's usually not a great sign. So, you know, something something to watch for. And 28 is – This is yeah. Darnell just – Being Darnell. Yeah, go on. I mean, raise up off of me. Breaks the tackle. Goes <laughs> air Darnell. Jumps the dude. Which you're not <laughs> supposed to be able to do that. At full 280. Speed. At 280 in pads, full speed with with the vision as well. Like you're trying to you're having to have your awareness around which guys are coming at you. All that going into place and just hurdling, hurdling a grown man. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> um I was told that Stetson didn't throw it deep. Well, here, hold on a second. Uh <laughs> start this over. So do you remember the deep ball to Pickens in the first half in Indy, the first big play of the game for Georgia when the did the fake end around to Brock Bowers and mm -hmm. threw it, the diving catch? So on that play, they ran uh, Darnell Washington on a crossing route over the middle of the field with Bowers on the fake end around. Here they're going to still do kind of this fake end around type toss action, but – this time, they're going to let Bowers run the crossing route. He does a really good job of getting off this jam here and then just moves away from 
the guy who's guarding him. But yeah, uh, you could tell Bennett looks downfield first. Like he looks at AD Mitchell first and just doesn't see the separation he's looking for. But um, I like this. Like this is Todd Mocken variating a little bit, like doing something that he knows his quarterback already knows how to do. But instead of doing it out of 13 personnel, he's doing it out of 12 personnel. He's moving some guys into different spots. And when you're facing a defensive coordinator that used to be in your building, it's a pretty good idea. Yeah. He also on that play, he keeps Darnell Washington in, in pass Mm -hmm. protection. So he sends him over. So if you look, he comes around, which is, which is part of faking the end around, but he also, uh, I love that, that idea too. The guy just caught a pass it broke a tackle, hurdled a guy, and now you keep him in, but you keep him in on pass protection, and but they have to account for him, you know, even even with the um, <clears throat> even with the formation, maybe not necessarily having him um, even be an eligible receiver necessarily, but you got to account for him because because of just who he is, which is just yeah. I mean, he just in. did that big play on the little yeah. boot. Yeah, um, clip thirty one, clip thirty one, same exact formation that they were just on and they're going to play action. This to the opposite side. McConkey is going to come out in space. Absolutely break that dude's ankles. Almost <laughs> score a touchdown. Um, I just this is on skates, man. Yeah. And I mean, Todd Mocking, it's just kind of like the push and pull chess match that he's doing with everybody. You know, I'm going to roll left. I'm going to roll right. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, throw my tight ends at you. I'm going to throw this little skinny white dude that can do all sorts of stuff. So, um, yeah. Georgia gets stand up, stood up on the goal line, and then you get the fake. I really like the psychological warfare here, though, because they put Jalen Carter on the field mm-hmm. in the jumbo package like they're going to, you know, just do the fullback thing. And this is something else the defenses are going to have to account for down the road now when they when he comes into the game they've like oh well i saw on tape this bennett dude shooting out to the edge and that maybe that gives you a better numbers advantage blocking in the box so yeah all of the things matter yeah and that half a second that stetson held it uh held the ball as well on that fake i mean it was just so well executed that um very david green-esque <laughs> very much he was the best i'd seen at it in, at, at georgia Hiding the yeah. ball on his hip yeah. and all that. Yeah. 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 Stetson okay. even like hops away from the play, turns his head, mm-hmm. hides that ball. It was it was well done. Yeah. Next uh possession. Yeah. So Darnell at the bottom of the line of scrimmage as an inline tight end. Uh he's gonna get this block on the edge defender, and then he gets another chip on the backside pursuit. Yeah, for, for, just for fun. Yeah, just <laughs> just for good measure and you got oregon uh, defenders running toward the other sideline trying to loop around like you just yeah. have guys you have guys all discombobulated so <laughs> this is another uh so bennett he comes back here calls his grandmother makes a nice ham sandwich and then it's ad mitchell for 27 yards on the sideline so great pass protection, obviously, uh, but this is a really impressive throw because he does have a guy bearing down on him by the time he delivers this, and he's sitting back there. You can kind of see him weighing like risk reward. I'm up fourteen nothing. It's second and sixteen. Do I throw it there? No, 
But I mean, like that's not an easy throw. He lost it over one defender. Hits Mitchell. It's a good play. It's a really good play. But remember, his A dot was only five point something yards, which is 115th in the FBS. So he's not improved. We just, and we just lost Parker. God, oh, we never had Parker. We love Parker. 40. What are we on? I'm on 44. Yep. Um, look at Cedric Van Pran here taking folks for a ride, dude. God, all the way. He let that. Does that go all the way through? You can see him like just on the edge of your screen. Finish. Look at the ten yard line right there. He's gonna send this guy to the Gatorade table. He's <laughs> just gonna walk him right over for a drink of water. Yeah, like it it's is like the scene in the Blind Side. Yeah. God. Then uh, forty-five. Brutal. Yeah, Mims at right tackle. Him and Powers absolutely mauling folks on the right side of the offensive line. They push these dudes a few yards upfield and seal them off. I don't know why Kendall Milton tried to bounce that inside because I would think he could have scored if he'd gone outside. But Yeah, just go to the pylon. Yeah. Um, And then Roseme, Darnell Washington, Brock Bowers on the right side here look like a trio of 1980s fullbacks. Roseme was the highest graded run blocker on the entire team Saturday, if you were wondering. He happens to be a wide receiver, but – he happens yeah. to have gotten. He happens to have gotten the start as well. Yeah, um, from on the on exactly the exactly that yeah. reason. Yeah, for that reason. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um. All right. So, clip fifty nine. Josh has all sorts of papers going on here. Well, you gave exciting. me a lot of notes. I mean, oh, I didn't know you printed them out. That was yeah. impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Analog. Uh, I am in love with this RPO. It's not complete. But it reminds me of the Nick Marshall Auburn play against Alabama in the kick six game to tie the game. If they start using Stetson's legs like this with RPOs mm. to get out on the perimeter and suck safeties up and then mm. take advantage of one on one, that probably could have been pass interference, but it, it wasn't. It's fine. Um, Number like 11 that, liked it. <laughs> yeah, that concept right there is so something good. that. I would keep an eye on down the road. And then, okay, next play. Great route by Ladd. Just this little hook route. Shows himself in the middle of the field. Makes his numbers visible. You know, I, I, it feels like him and Stetson have, like, this very good kind of chemistry. Uh, a lot of Mockins offense is option route based where it's dependent on wide receiver and quarterback making the same read, and it seems like those two make the same read 99% of the time. Um, 64? 64, yeah. Uh, so we knew this would come at some point. An Oregon linebacker in coverage and Kenny McIntosh on a wheel route. That's just abuse right there. He's five yards free. Uh, almost a touchdown. And then, yeah, I mean – Really nice delivery by Bennett, though. That's kind of an awkward throw to make uh, to a guy that's moving away from you that fast mm-hmm. and sort of at that angle. So, and then, uh, yeah, this is Stiquavius for Heisman right here. Don't know what else to say. His one shining moment. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
my wife was not with me at the game on Saturday, but she she texted me after this play and like she's not a very big football person, but she was like, "That was actually cool. That man's got himself a new haircut. He's he's feeling himself." It's <laughs> <laughs> like that's about right, actually. He so. got the he got the fade and became a dual threat. Um, yeah, in a big way. It's a dual threat quarterback. George. I don't know waiting. if they showed it on on TV, but um, after he came off the field, Kirby talked to him for a long time after that that play and that throw. We all loved it. It was all good. It was kind of like telling uh, but, Ringo to go down in the natty. You know, it was yeah. like he good result. I'm not sure he was happy with the process of it. Is that yeah. fair? If yeah, if he, you look I mean, at the play, yeah, you got the you've got two guys running drag. You've got a flat route and you got a drag route in the back of the end zone from a tight end, and so you have Kenny McIntosh, and then I think it was Bowers in the back of the end zone, and so if Stetson gets the ball out quicker on that play you got guys with a little bit of separation at the beginning of the play and you don't end up in a situation where you almost take a sack and you're you know <laughs> in a in a, a a worse situation in the red zone um and i that's probably what kirby was getting on him about um because we all love it as fans like it's like incredible but if he gets sacked right there we also are all probably you know punching yeah. our our TV screens on the, watching the replay. And Grant um, throws a pick. Yeah, yep. Grant, that was right in front of you. It was on my – I was on the other side. And yeah, I saw, you could see Lad jumping up and down, waving his arms for, like, what felt like, you know, a half of a minute. Like, everybody <laughs> in the section was like, throw it to Lad. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I, I couldn't really see him, and I thought he was throwing it away. And I was – and then I was like, oh. And then by the time the ball came down, it was just comical. I've I've seen people speculate on Twitter that he was throwing it to Darnell. He was not throwing it to Darnell. He was throwing it to Ladd. Um, That said, I mean, he even said himself, like, it's probably not a play I should make in this situation. You know, like, we're at the goal line. I think it's first or second down. Like, we can live to fight another play. But it's going to be on the real – everywhere yep. i mean it, it reminds me of the Tua play that he made in the opener against louisville a few years ago where he tossed it in the back to judy while he was getting hit yeah i mean um, it was it was i mean it was easy low-hanging fruit be like he's trolling bo nicks at this point because <laughs> that <laughs> it looked like i think he, it was i think it was jim in the text thread that said like stetson bennett is what bone i promise i was promised bo nicks would be which is <laughs> Actually, kind of a little bit accurate. Um, uh, 70. McConkey yeah. time. Amazing. All right, look how he sets up this move in the open field. He's going to run straight at this dude after he gets the ball. And then just like, it's kind of uh, reminiscent of the no-shot covers Auburn on the blackout. But, yeah, just comes right at him and then goes right away. Sorry, I'll play, I'll play that again. And then we're on to 72, right? Yep. Yeah, watch this at full speed. Easy. Boop. Yeah. Like he sets he does that to everybody. And oh, he he did it in uh for folks who don't know, he was doing it in scrimmages to Keely Ringo and everybody else. I mean, he I believe it. He he was uh he's been doing that all offseason, really embarrassing even some of Georgia's uh players in practice with that move oh i yeah i mean he made some people look silly on saturday all right clip 72 uh 
Darnell on the perimeter blocking the screen against man coverage is almost a cheat code at this point, truthfully. Like, just kind of unfair. You're not going to get around that dude in a one-on-one situation. Uh, and I like seeing McIntosh lined up, up, up high like that. That's nice. And then, all right, so, yeah. You're kind of seeing here, like, the Cyril's mocking – philosophy of let's pull our linemen let's get athletic linemen downfield Xavier Trust does a nice job getting out front downfield Broderick Jones does a fantastic job sealing that outside lane Uh, great athletic line play outside of the box Jones is 59 right there he gets that block at the line Uh, comes around boom and then you've got Trust locked up so thought it was nice work from the OL and 75 the next play yeah so tate ravage gets a little bit blown up right here but he sticks with the play you know milton just bounces to the other side of him where his man is um and then goes so i thought it was a really nice cut and go by milton yeah anybody was worried about the running back room probably felt a little better after saturday yeah i would agree with that all right, let me, uh, let me queue up 87 here. 84. 84, what you said. We're almost done. We got like six plays left. All right. It's been a long one. Sorry, guys. No, dude, they eat this. We've got a bunch of people watching. Nice. <laughs> and as I talk over the play, <laughs> you guys didn't come here. So, yeah, I like this little pop pass to Dejan Edwards. And, again, great downfield blocking. Uh, you get your, your big guys – you got Washington out there moving on the edge. Um, it's nice. It's it's a nice little, you know. Yeah. Lad gets him an easy 10, 15 more yards there with that, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. I love it. And Yeah. And I thought Edwards, you know, we've never really seen him in the pass game before, but he had a couple nice plays in the pass game. So, it's kind of good to know. I think he may be your second threat as a running back pass catcher. I don't know if that's Milton's game or not. Uh, yeah, 87 here. So the offensive line was just much better in run blocking in the second half. And here they just load up and they get a bunch of push and they just, you know, just get there and start moving folks. And that's really a, the sign of I'm dominating a football game is that right there. Um and then I like this little here's here's 87, then I'm gonna clip to 89 right after this. Oop. No worries. Yeah, so you're gonna have on 89, you get a wide bunch formation here at the bottom, and it kind of creates this one-on-one on the boundary up top for AD Mitchell. Bennett's gonna freeze the cover two safety with his eyes and doesn't look towards AD until it's time to throw. Keeps that matchup. And this is a dime, dude. Like, say what you want about how Georgia attacked Oregon on Saturday, but when there were balls to be thrown downfield, they were very accurate. Incredible. They were mostly to A.D. Mitchell. Yeah. Watch it full time, full speed here, and then we go. Yeah, to... and, and I mean, just real quick, right? Like, that's a, that's a full off season working with the same guys, getting mm-hmm. all those reps, getting first team reps. I mean, I think um, – you know, everybody uh, coming into the season, what I loved the national narrative around Stetson Bennett is kind of like everybody has this idea that 
every position can get can show improvement from year to year except for quarterback right like it feels like oh the the quarterback position is the one that is not going to get any better uh it seems like when you look at these lists of top college football quarterbacks and all these things and i I think stetson bennett has shown a ton of improvement um with the whole off season the i mean like the way he got through reads and processed things and i mean that was his last throw of the day right there that's a pretty nice way to clock out pretty nice for a day of work all right so uh we got beck in the game and this is a cool rpo concept kind of pulls it out hits curious this is a good read by him i thought uh you got a numbers advantage up at the top of the screen your your lineman there you see him pulling around where it could have been a run play uh but it was not so Nice to see your backup quarterback making a good read. Nice to see your offensive coordinator giving him an RPO type situation. Um, so underrated storyline of this game was how Monken established Edwards as a receiving threat on tape for future opponents. And you see him do it again right here. And then clip 98. So you've got Eric Gilbert and Devin Willick in the game coming around on the pull there both of them nice job hitting their assignments uh i thought willick when he came in 77 at right guard played very very well um so something to keep an eye on and then this is a good ball from beck very next play you're seeing the backup quarterback throwing that's a big philosophical change from kirby and mocking to let him come in you're up 42 to 3 and and the backup quarterback threw what seven had seven or eight attempts Six or seven yeah, yeah something like that yeah which is he a huge change yeah philosophical and I mean it was the third quarter like yeah I didn't feel like Georgia was being egregious in any way uh, no no but no they, but it, it's the development yeah well it's the development and getting and getting actual live game reps right um I think there is a difference too where you have. Stetson Bennett is your starter. Carson Beck is your number two guy right now. Um, Injury, you know, preparation, all those things have to be taken into account. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think it was egregious, but I do think that is a, it's a pretty clear departure from what you may have seen last year or the, or in years past. All right. Last play we've got on our script here. One or two. Yeah. So I like this play design for mocking. And the big thing here is watch number seven. That's Eric Gilbert. He's in the game. Look at this block. Beautiful job. Wipes him out, creates a hole. That's what springs the touchdown. There's all this conversation and question about Eric Gilbert that goes on all the time. You know, how is he? How isn't he? All that stuff. Like, that play right there is how he gets more snaps. Like, that's something he's going to get kudos for in the film room. Yep. And that's also what the staff has to see, right? So, people were wondering – you know, why, why Eric Gilbert, we didn't see more of him, or maybe why is he, you know, fourth or third or fourth down the, down the depth chart of the tight ends. Well, first of all, you you have Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington, um, which we've talked about ad nauseum. Right. Um, But number two, those are the things you got to see in a game. You got to see it, put him in live action, let, let him block, let him run a couple of routes, let him, you know, and, and really see what he does. Um, and I think Georgia will be really pleased with with how he played, and you'll probably start seeing more of him as a result. Agreed. Um, we did have one question in the chat that I thought was 
was a oh, good nice. thing to yeah, a good thing to to hit on. So this is from from our guy Jimmy, um, Jimmy Guthrie. Curious who everybody thinks most exceeded expectations and who needs who most needs improvement. And Jimmy answers on question said he's going to go with Starks and uh, as exceeded and Mondin as needs improvement. So what do you what are your thoughts, Graham? I think that's a pretty I mean, I, I actually like his answer a lot. Um, I think I might go to the offensive line. Mm-hmm. I would say uh, some of those backups exceeded expectations for me, yep. like Mims and Willick. Yep. And, you know, we saw a lot of those guys come in the game in the second quarter. It wasn't just garbage time out there beating up on a tired defense. So that was nice. Uh, and I kind of think some of the offensive linemen who started need a little bit of improvement. Um, ditto to – some of the younger kind of defensive linemen. I think the line of scrimmage is where things were a little shaky, but the secondary and the skill players on offense were both really solid. Oh, I what about you? What's your yeah. answer? Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with with the guard position in general as needs most improvement for the starters. I think the guard the guards in the the too deep exceeded expectations, but. Um, I just think you get in those SEC games. I think that's going to be such a critical part of of the position. Yeah. And what I'm going to say also in the needs improvement is I do think the I do think that interior defensive line outside of Jalen Carter, those guys are probably going to have to step up a little bit. They they were able to get some push. Um, Oregon was running the quick game on them, so there wasn't a whole lot that they were you know kind of being asked to do. But there were some times where. Um, outside of Jalen Carter, where you had some of the other guys that weren't winning those one on ones as much as you are going to need them to. So those are my two um, offense and defense needs improvement. I think Starks exceeded my expectations. I expected the kid to be good. Uh, I did not expect the kid to, to really be dominant in uh, on a lot of plays. Um, uh, and I also think Lad McConkey uh, exceeded my expectation on offense. Like I think Lad, we, we saw what he can do athletically, but I think if you watch him, we saw a lot of this last year, so it's hard to say exceeded expectations. But I mean, the guy was blocking. The guy was like finding himself open. He was for getting him, making himself open when he wasn't open. Um, breaking ankles, like just it was really, really cool. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Josh, what do you got on the screen here, man? Oh, this was my stats recap, um, and I'll go well, cue it back up. The overall yards per play, obviously, was just you can't ask literally you cannot ask for a better yards per play yeah literally doubled them up the epa was minuscule that epa number for georgia was actually negative on defense and when you're looking at head-to-head just more explanation you know the reason i don't have offense and defense is because they're correlated obviously so you know you just take oregon's offense and that that's what georgia's defense defensive epa allow would be so um Mm. yeah so yeah 0.01 i mean just minuscule um and then just you know you know, we've been talking about Ben don't break that 48% success rate kind of leads to that. You know, we were in the low, I mean, sorry, 36, 37, 38% a lot last year. So, and we saw Oregon move the ball, but certainly you know, we talked about it. They stopped them in, in critical spots. Georgia's success rate elite again, 67%, two out of three plays were successful. And that was even higher through the third through um, before garbage time. Um, and then you see, you can see the breakdown by pass and, you know, 
you know, rush yards, you know, if you want to say you'd like to see something, you know, Graham, you, you perfectly called it out in the preview and you showed it in the, in the review of where Georgia can attack different, these linebackers and they didn't, they ran around them, not at them. Um, they didn't have a lot of good runs between the tackles on any of those inside zone looks, but you know, if you want to try it, maybe we'll, like you said, you know, send that Stetson RPO where he's running it, maybe that opens up some lanes in the, but um, even 5.3 is not embarrassing at all. It's just, you know, you'd like yeah. to see that a 5.5, five, 5.7, five, five, somewhere like that. And then again, I mean, 73% pass success rate, just ridiculous. Um, and uh, at this, this could be just the beginning, not just a, an anomaly of a, of a game for the Monk and Led offense, which is pretty exciting. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, here's it's broken down by down. And, we, and John, you talked about, you know, Georgia was fifth in the SEC and third down, you know, sort of efficiency last year, which I think is gracious. I think we had some stats that showed us even worse than that. Certainly yeah. third third long, it was third quite and bad. Long, yeah. Third and long, and we converted a lot of third and longs, a lot of third and shorts. But, yeah, look at that 90%. This total game, not garbage time filtered. Um, yeah, and 2.389 uh, explosiveness that's, or EPA, which – um, you know, you'd only add a couple more plays in there for the explosiveness rating, which is, you know, anything over 1.8 in that metric, um, especially on third down is ridiculously good. And you can see they were just good, just as good on first and second down with 60, 60, mid 60% success rate. So, uh, and that stat recap is available uh, on the blog, uh, dog stats blog and dog central. So if you want to look at these numbers, I've added some data that you can actually download. So if you're into this stuff, please go check it out and hit me up on DM me on the, on the site and I can, share i'm always willing to share uh, my data and and uh and we'll be using this for not just all the georgia games but all the teams you can see some of the stats it's actually been rolling throughout the show on the on the on the bar underneath us so that was a little stats minute with dog stats any love questions it. love it no it's great man thank you um i mean you i think wrote this down but that offensive success rate how far back did you have to go to find one that was better for Georgia? Um, yeah, like I went, it's kind of like anything past 2008, no, 2003 was getting a little dicey. They didn't have all the games. And, but anyway, sure. I feel, and I think those games they didn't have were like FCS games anyways, or, or, or you know, non-FBS. Mm -hmm. So I filtered out all the FBSs and the, the raw like 68.8% success rate for the game was, fourth or fifth best since 2000 and um yeah those were three games versus tech and uh a kentucky game and then that kentucky game was pretty interesting because we were somebody in, the, in twitter was asking about how many was the last time we threw that from that many yards and there was like we like one of the highest games it was like 17 to 13 we were throwing for like 400 yards or 470 yards i mean that just, it's just it's just a different level of efficiency and and kind of one of those reasons you know you don't want to look just at raw stats because yeah if you just if you just do a certain website uh, and look at uh, someone that might be a mixed stats, uh, he's going to throw out all the historical stuff on there, but there's no context to that. There's, I mean, like, yeah, sure. 470 yards, but Georgia was teeth and nail fighting teeth and nail to get that win in Kentucky. And this game right. has actually had fewer yardage, but just 49 points. And it just tells you what these numbers can really kind of dig down and peel that layer of just raw stats off the, off the top of them. And stuff. So basically yeah. that was like arguably, I would make the case that was the best offense we've seen since 2000, honestly. Yeah, it reminded me of – and this was the the number one um, non-garbage time success rate versus the Power Five for Georgia since 2000 was that 2015 South Carolina game. Oh, um, yeah. The Steve Spurrier – The Grayson kind of Lambert retire. game? <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, the Steve Spurrier kind of retirement game. But that – that what this 
game reminded me a lot of that of that game um where you were just you know georgia was definitely naming your score yeah exactly there was there was there was not much that the other side of the ball could do uh to stop what was happening and the the incompletions and things like that some of a lot of those were just throwing the ball away right like just making good decisions Stitson only had one true incompletion in the first yeah. half. Yeah. And so it definitely felt like that 52 to 20 uh, beat down of South Carolina in 2015. We made well, the old ball like, coach quit. He just quit. Yeah. yeah. Made his ass quit. Well, I think the other thing that was interesting was uh, I did see was Georgia's largest margin of victory ever against a ranked opponent. And also the tied for the largest margin of victory in college football history for an opening weekend game between two ranked opponents. So like Oregon say what you want about PAC 12 and all of that stuff, but like, they're not a bad football team. Like I didn't see, like I saw Bo Nix make some bad decisions that allowed that game to get away from them very quickly, but they're particularly on the line of scrimmage. They have talent. Um, So point being like, I think what Georgia did like should be appreciated on a level that maybe it hasn't quite been nationally. Yeah. And after Alabama, you know, looks like a bunch of slappies against Texas this weekend. Maybe it will be, I don't know. We'll see. I'm just playing. I don't, I don't think Texas has a shot in hell. <laughs> um, no, I, I think, but I do think as we get further into the season, I do think what Georgia did on Saturday will be more appreciated by the context. Yeah. The con once you have more context, because um, we all know, and you know, and I'll say this and I'm, it's going to sound salty, but it's because I am salty about it a little bit. Um, if Alabama did to Oregon, what Georgia did to Oregon on Saturday, all we would hear is this best is the team best, ever. The best. Can yeah. This the Jaguars. Saban's, exactly. This is the best Nick Saban team to ever exist. If that was Alabama on the field doing the same exact thing. And so um, with Georgia, it's, 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 you know, Oregon is overrated. Dan Lanning was in over his head, like all these things. I think that narrative is going to get put to bed um, by by the time you get to midseason when you see that Oregon is probably going to be a pretty good team. They're not going to – I don't I don't expect them to win, you know, 10 or 11 games, but Oregon, you know, I, I, I bet think – they win nine. I bet they do. That's exactly what I was going to say. I bet Oregon's a nine and three team, and I bet they are more, more competitive against some of the teams um, that folks think, you know, maybe thinking today they won't be after yeah. seeing what happened with Georgia because I just think Georgia's that good. I'm with you. Yep. All right. All right we're about right, so, twenty in. Let's uh let's send these people. Thank you guys. We had a lot of tuners, people tuned in on tw- on on uh, YouTube. We appreciate that. Uh, appreciate the comments. We're gonna be uh, back on tomorrow, right? Picks. Yep. Talk some picks. Some prize picks. And uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it on the screen, prize picks. Uh, um, hundred percent deposit match. Code two hundred dollars up to hundred bucks. Dogs central one word. Please, if you're into it, it's a lot of fun. We'll have our picks, but it's uh, it helps us out because uh, we're doing this sort of for fun, and uh, we're just trying to make it as good as possible. We appreciate all the feedback. Please share, like, review, all that stuff. Subscribe. Subscribe. Subscribe, all that stuff. Uh, that's all I got. Anybody else got anything? Subscribe to dogcentral.com for the best UGA intel and analysis. Uh, just dropped three names last night of players who are committed to other schools that will visit Georgia 
uh, hopefully speculatively on the weekend of the Auburn game, October 8th. Uh, but a couple names in there, one for sure that I know you have heard nowhere else. So come on down, join Thanks, the community. There's been a lot of new subscribers over the last 72 hours. We want to keep the momentum going. So come join us. Come join us. All right, y'all.